It doesn't matter how much you know, because you could know a lot about the Bible, you could know a lot about the Scriptures, you could even have it in your heart, but if it doesn't affect the way that you live, then it means nothing. It's your life quest You've been looking for a home you haven't Welcome to LifeQuest, a verse-by-verse exploration of the entire Bible to discover real life, God's way. LifeQuest is a radio ministry of Alpine Christian Fellowship in Alpine, California, featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherwood Patterson. On today's program, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 49. This passage is famously called the Sermon on the Mount. Here, Jesus is teaching his disciples what the kingdom of God is really like. It's not what the disciples were expecting to hear. It's not necessarily what we want to hear. But it is what Jesus wants to teach us. It's not about power or strength. It's about humility and service. It's not about telling others what they should or shouldn't do. It is about us learning what Jesus says we should do. So now let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 6, and let's study God's Word together with Pastor Sherwood. looking at today in Luke chapter 6 verses 20 through 49. Um, I always find that there's so uh, much to cover in so little time. Um, So we just kind of want to jump into it. But really what we're looking at today is is the greatest sermon ever preached. And we see these verses here in 21 and 23. I'll just read through it and we'll comment on it. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast your name out as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Now Jesus is teaching his disciples on the kingdom of God. And his kingdom was so different. It was so vastly different from the kingdom of this world. You know, Jesus began his teaching ministry very simply and very clearly. He began to teach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's interesting that we live with God's kingdom present in and through our lives, but also it's not quite yet been uh, consummated. It's not quite yet been fulfilled in all of its entirety. And so Jesus is really teaching this this right-side-up mentality for us as as followers, as disciples, as people who um, are following Jesus Christ. He's, He's showing us a different way to live. 
And he's going to get around to the point of saying, you know what, even in all of this, this teaching that I give you, it doesn't matter how much you know, because you could know a lot about the Bible, you could know a lot about the Scriptures, you could even have it in your heart, but if it doesn't affect the way that you live, then it means nothing. And Jesus is saying, blessed are you who poor, and it's, it's, it's an unusual blessing that Jesus is presenting to his disciples because it is not a good thing, it is not a happy thing, it is not a pleasant thing to be poor. It is not fun to go without having the, 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 the needs provided for us in our life. And if you contrast this with Matthew chapter 5, you see Jesus also says, blessed are you not only who are poor in the physical things of this world, but who are poor in spirit. There's an element, Jesus is saying, that when you follow me, there is a sacrifice that takes place. There is things that you will go without, but not only that, there is a, a, a crying out, there is a poorness of spirit that anyone who would enter into my kingdom who would be a citizen in my kingdom, needs to enter in through the poorness of spirit. Now, what does that mean? It really means to, be, to, to understand our spiritual need apart from God. To, to forsake all, Jesus said, and follow me. To be poor in spirit means to cry out to God, to, to, to cry out to Him and, and, and recognize how far we are from Him. To understand our spiritual poverty. To understand that we need Him in every single thing that we do. Blessed are you who are poor. He says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Again, you look at Matthew chapter 5. There is a, there, Jesus talks about Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Are you a person today who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? God, would you, would you fill me? Would, would, would you use me? Would you teach me? Would you instruct me? Those things that would pertain to the life that God has called us to live in holiness, in righteousness, living completely opposite and different from the things of this world. You know what he says? When you hunger, when there is a need in life, physically, spiritually, when you hunger for the things of the Lord, God says, You will be filled. You will be filled. And not only will you be filled in this life, but you will be filled in the life to come. And that's the perspective that Jesus is presenting and giving us through his teaching on the kingdom of God. Because I think it's so difficult for us to think of the eternal perspective, of the things that will come at, at a later time, in all of eternity, after this life has passed. I think it's very difficult for us to think about death. We don't think about death all that often. Our life expectancy is super long. Um, we have great medical care. And, you know, the reality of the temporary aspect of our life now is eclipsed by pursuing the things of this world and living a life that, you know, is just, we're just going about our lives. And the perspective that we have here with understanding, though we are called into a kingdom that is, there is suffering, 
a kingdom that there is sacrifice, a kingdom uh, here and now on earth that we may go without, that we, we, we may hunger, we, we may weep, um, we will experience persecution and trials and difficulties from other people or from circumstances in this life, it pales in comparison to the hope, to the assurance, to the wonderful life that we have in Christ in all of eternity. Blessed are you, blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh, you you will be comforted. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, when they revile you and cast your name out as evil. I don't like to be hated. Do you like to be hated? No, not at all. I don't like to be excluded. That is not happy. That is not fun. I don't like my name to be run through the dirt. I could bring that upon myself because of the things that I say and do. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You are blessed, not because of the things that you deserve from other people, but because of the way that you hunger for righteousness. Because of the way that you live your life in need for God. Because of the way that your light shines before men. That people would see your works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's because of Jesus' sake in our lives. And I think he's revealing to us a, a reality of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus Christ. We talk a lot about coming to Jesus and experiencing love, experiencing joy, experiencing peace. Yes, you will experience love, joy, and peace when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you surrender and are filled with him and you're living for him. But guys, let me tell you, that's, that's, that's only one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is a call to pick up our cross daily and follow him. And there is a great reward, Jesus says. He says, rejoice and leap for joy. Hey, think about that when you're at work or with your family. Let the joy of the Lord, because you're experiencing the persecution and, and that evil kind of hatred and exclusion from other people, let that joy just be all the more evident when people are encountering your life. He says you're happy, you're blessed. Um, he goes on to talk about woes, and he kind of contrasts the blessings with the same exact things that we would consider not to be a blessing with a woe. And what is a woe? Well, this word woe literally means it's, it's a regret. Jesus isn't condemning someone for being rich. He's not condemning someone to hell. And another thing we need to understand is, you know, those who are poor automatically with financial, you know, being poor financially doesn't mean that poor people are going to heaven. It doesn't mean that rich people are going to hell. Again, we're looking under the surface. Jesus is, is revealing the heart issue of the matter. It has nothing to do with physical finances. It has everything to do with our heart before the Lord. A person who recognizes their great need for God will cry out to Him and enter the kingdom of heaven as a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ by saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I confess my sin to you. Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. Fill my heart and my life. I'm hungering and thirsting for you, God. Would you fill me? Jesus, I'm experiencing persecution and trial and difficulties. Lord, would you comfort my mourning? That is a person Jesus is saying is happy. That is a person who is filled with contentment. That is a person dealing with the reality of life now and the reality of life to come. He's saying, you know what, guys? There is a reward for you. 
Do not lose heart. Keep your eyes on me. Follow, watch, pray, seek me. Ask, seek, and knock. I'm with you. That's the encouragement for the, for the, the disciple and the follower entering into the kingdom. He says, you know what? I'm not condemning you for being rich. It is, it is an expression of regret. Why is it regret? And it is an expression of compassion for someone who lives their entire life running after the things of this world. Living only for here and now. Not considering the ramifications of an eternal existence after our 70, 80, 90, 112 years that we may live on life here on earth. We are not guaranteed the next moment. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed next year. But yet, we live life so consumed and wrapped up with running after the things of this world that we forget about really what kind of person are we becoming? What kind of person are we being molded into? What kind of person is God shaping us to be? He says, I, I have, I have a, a heart of compassion and regret for a person who would fill up their entire life to be self Righteous, self-sufficient, self-pleasing, all for themselves. He says, woe to that person. Woe to that person because, yes, you have received consolation now. But don't trade the consolation for now for the hope and assurance of eternity. Don't live temporarily for the things of this world and let, let yet lose sight of entering into a greater, greater kingdom. The kingdom that I have come to introduce, to turn it upside down, to say that when you are poor, when you are weak, when you hunger, when um, you are hated for the things of Jesus Christ, you're blessed, you're happy. And you know what? I will provide, I will care for all the things that you need here and in eternity. He says, don't live your life only for now. Live in light of eternity. So he contrasts the blessing with the woes. And then he begins to talk about how do you apply that? What is the attitude? What is the, the action for taking the blessings that God gives us as followers of Jesus Christ in this world with a hope to come? He then puts it into practice. And that's as any good sermon, as any good preacher would do, right? This is his, he's preaching to his disciples, saying, okay, with all of this, this is difficult, guys. This is hard to do. It's very difficult to live as a disciple in the kingdom of God. And then he begins to say, you know what? How do we put this into practice in verse 27? He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Great, Jesus. This is awesome. Even more wonderful news, right? You want me to pray for people that hate me? You want me to love people that are doing evil against me? Notice the progression. Love, do good, bless, and pray. Guys, this is something we cannot do in and of ourselves. This is, this is an expression of a person who is completely dependent upon Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have people in your life 
that say and do a lot of mean and evil things toward you. And Jesus is calling us not to have a warm and fuzzy feeling of love where we could quote 1 Corinthians chapter 13, oh, love is patient and love is kind. Love is not self-seeking, it's not rude. Uh, and it, it always considers other people. We can have, love is not an emotion that we would just say and exp- express. It is an action. Doing good. Blessing others. Praying for those who spitefully use you. Guys, this is something that we haven't figured out. <laughs> it's not something we can drum up in our own strength and in our own ability. But it is a characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, you know what? It is natural in our human nature to respond in like manner. Someone hates us. Someone says something bad about us. Well, what do we tend to do? Oh, well, we'll send an email. (laughs) Careful of those emails, guys, when you're upset. (laughs) We'll get on the phone. We'll start texting. Better yet, we'll post something on Facebook. And, 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 and we have no responsibility for people when we just post something out there, we put something out there, and we just you know, throw our emotions to the wind, and we're, we're filled with you know, bitterness and, and anger and, and, and resentment because what someone has done to us. And we just throw it out there, and, and there's just turbulence and just pain. It's natural in our flesh to want to respond that way. Jesus is saying, You want to be a citizen in my kingdom? I'm calling you to love. Jesus, I can't love that way. Well, I know you can't. Let me love through you. There's some, we we can come across in life some very, very challenging things. Um, And when we come across this verse, um, it's so hard. For us to say, God, you want me to love this person? I can't love, but when we understand how much we need Jesus in our life, how hungry and thirsting we are for him, how much every breath is dependent upon him, we recognize, God, you can love through us. He says, love your enemies. That's a hard thing, Jesus. But let me do that through you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to go that extra mile. I want you to, 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 to be there and let me speak through you. Let me work through you. Um, is as love is an action, it's not just a, a nice feeling. Um, Jesus isn't prohibiting defense, but he's prohibiting retaliation and insult. And again, that, I think that's, where, that's how we would like to respond. Um, respond with, with, with retaliation, but Jesus is saying, don't retaliate. And uh, look at verse 30, it says, Give to everyone who asks, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you do also to them likewise. Um, We know this verse to be the golden rule. Jesus is um, giving a positive understanding for us of the things that we would like to be done in our lives with the same way that we can treat others, that we can respond to others. 
But he says in verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? The word credit is actually what grace is it? What, what grace do you give? What grace do you receive when you love people um, and uh, when you are doing things for other people who can return that favor to you? And I think as we look at the way that we would live in the kingdom as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we see these themes of love. We see these themes of mercy. We see these themes of grace. And again, it is the love, mercy, and grace that God has given us that we are able to give to others in return. Verse 33 says, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what grace or credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. Verse 35, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. For your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. So again, Jesus puts in perspective our response of love to others by the same love that we receive from him. And so he says, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Look at verse 37. Um, Jesus begins to tell them about that type of mercy. And he says, judge not, judge not. And you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be, me- be measured back to you. I think it's easy for us to respond, like we talked about earlier, with retaliation and insult, because that's what we receive. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to consider your heart in all of these matters, because it's easy for us to have a judgmental spirit, a judgmental attitude towards other people. And he's saying, you know what? Judge not. Judge not. That judgmental attitude um, that we have, he's saying, you know what? I want you to cast that aside. I don't want you to condemn. I want you to forgive. Forgive and let God bring healing. Let God bring reconciliation in those areas. And again, Jesus, this is hard for us to do. So difficult for us to do. Would you forgive through me? Would you help me? in that judgmental spirit. Because what happens is is that when we have that judgmental attitude, he begins to give a a, a description of a person who goes to help another person with a fault. And he he uses the word speck, right? Look at the word uh, there in verse 41. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see this, the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The word speck is using to identify faults, failures, sins. Have you ever noticed that it's a lot easier to identify sin in other people than it is to deal with our own sin in our own lives? Do you ever, you ever feel that way? <laughs> Um, I, I think it's easy to spot it out in other people. We see, oh, look at that fault. Look at that failure. Look at that shortcoming. Look at the way that person said. Look at how they, re- they acted. And all the while, 
neglect what is going on in our own heart. Jesus is using this parable, this story. With this small little speck, he identifies, you know what? When you fail to deal with the big plank issues, this big log that's sticking out of your eye, right? And you come up to a person, you want to help them with something that's going on in their lives, and you fail to deal with this big log. I think, I think the sin in our, our lives is, you know, people are able to easily see the sin in our lives than we are to identify it ourselves. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Don't be a hypocrite in the sense of pointing out the faults and failures of other people and not come to me and deal with those in our own life. And I think that's probably the, the, the greatest indictment on the church today. People won't come in these doors. People won't talk to you. People will talk bad about you because, oh, Christians are hypocrites. Well, maybe there's something to it. Let's not be hypocrites. As a disciple, as a follower, as someone who is living in the kingdom, deal with those logs in our life. And there's two other stories here that we kind of finish up and wrap up with. In verse 43, he talks about a tree. And in verse 46, he talks about a building. Let's talk about the tree first. He says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil things from, a heart, brings forth, um, uh, from his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus is saying, you know what? The fruit of our lives is evident of the condition of our heart. Whoever comes to me, in verse 47, and hears these sayings and does them, I will show what he is like. Look at the progression. He comes, he hears, and he does. He comes and hears. Isn't that the, that's, the, that's the truth of any sermon. That's the truth of any message that we would ever hear. We take what we hear. We take what God is convicting us in our lives. We go out those doors. We go into our life and we say, God, apply it to my life. How can I live this? How can I, this week, love and do good and pray for someone who I really do not like? Thank you, Pastor Sherwood. That is a serious challenge for each of us. May our prayer this week be that we honestly live life God's way. If you want to talk with someone right now, or if you want prayer or counseling, you can call 619-561-4777. That's 619-561-4777. Someone is ready to speak with you when you call. LifeQuest is produced and sponsored by Alpine Christian Fellowship. We're located in Alpine, California, just off the Interstate 8 freeway at the Harbison Canyon Dunbar exit. You can see the tall white cross from the freeway. Join us Sunday at 9 a.m. for a time of prayer, followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. Be sure to bring the whole family because children's ministry is also at 10. For more information, visit our website at acffamily.com. That's acffamily.com. There you will find a detailed map and full information about Alpine's ministries, both local and international. Join us next time on this station for another LifeQuest teaching program where we look at real life God's way. It's your life quest. You've been looking for a home you have
hope you have been